Hello, and welcome, Not About Us Friends. Today, we're going to continue on with a Revelation study podcast, and today we'll be discussing, well, this will be the first of three podcasts discussing the appearance of Jesus, um, as recorded by John here at this point in Revelation. But uh, let's go ahead and get started. As always, I'm Brad. And I'm Scott. And this... It's not about us. All right, welcome back, everyone. Um, I hope you've been enjoying this Bible study um, so far. Um, I am excited to share with you today uh, the appearance of Jesus. Um, I don't know if you have been listening to the previous podcast, but I've been pretty excited to get to this point. Um, uh, I originally intended this to be one just kind of longer podcast, but as what usually happens when I start doing these studies, I started finding more things that I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to do it as a normal podcast. Uh, the next two is normal podcast, and then I might kind of put them all together as just one podcast. Uh, you know, separate, but still together as kind of one entity. Um, let's see here. Uh, before we get into verse 13 today, though, um, I do want to make sure that we are starting this off properly. So uh, before we get too much further here, Scott, would you be so kind as to let the spirit come in uh, and bind him in here and let's, uh, let's get this started off on the right foot? Absolutely. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yahweh God, I, I say hallelujah. All praises be to you, Yahweh. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You deserve all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, all the recognition. It's not about us, it's about you. So please have your will in this podcast today. Yes. Yahweh God, we're not perfect. We're going to continue to screw up. And as long as we're involved, there's going to be a piece of us in this. So we just ask that you remove us as much as possible and, and have your will in this. Hallelujah. You, you are visualized in, in what John is talking about right now in Revelation. You are the centerpiece we just make it real. Yes. Yahweh God, make it real in our mind's eye, in our hearts, whatever it takes. Just Yahweh, as we discuss you today, the picture of who you are, Yeshua, just just make that real to the to the listener, to the viewer, and to us, Yahweh God. We need a better a better picture, a better vision, a more accurate, a, a greater vision of you every day so thank you oh, thank, thank you. you come in and just make this yours yes thank you thank you scott that that's that's it well spoken that's what i try to do i, I try to paint this picture of yeshua in my head and sometimes i can't do it justice so god you can do it justice so uh yes please uh, less of me more of you because this is all about you um so, oh, thank you. Now I'm really, I was pumped before, but no. <laughs> all right. Uh, first off, I'm going to recap a little bit um, of 
last week or the last few verses. Um, last few verses, John has been explaining where he was, what he was doing when he received the revelation. Um, let's see. I like to remind myself before I get started with my studies um, about the heartbeat of the chapter. And for me, the heartbeat of this chapter is John. Um, I can I can understand John. I can I, I may not be able to fully understand the experience that he's having, um, but it's easier for me to relate to him and, and, and know what's going on uh, because I too am an emotional creature and he was human. He had emotion. I'm sure they were at an all-time high uh, during all of this. I don't know how he couldn't be. Um, but he's the heartbeat for me in this chapter and I just... What is he going through experiencing, seeing his friend, his savior, the love of his life many decades after they had spent time together in Galilee? And now he's being reunited, but this time uh, Jesus is divine. He's glorified. Um, it's him, but it's mighty him. Um, so I, I can't imagine this wouldn't be overwhelming for John. It's overwhelming for me just thinking um, about it. Now, John mentions the great voice as of a trumpet calling out to him from behind. Uh, John turns to see the voice that spoke to him, and the first thing he noticed was those impressive golden candlesticks that we discussed in the last, that we discussed in the last podcast. Now, it did not occur to me at the time of that podcast, um, but it did occur to me when I was writing this recap, and I, kind of, I do want to mention it here. John saw the candlesticks first. Now, I learned a lot about the candlesticks last time, so now I'm starting to wonder if there's something to that uh, thought there. One of the things I learned in the last study was the golden candlesticks could represent the purchasing power that was paid for our salvation by the buyer, Jesus, who's standing among them. So if I'm reading this correctly, John saw the cost of our salvation before he laid eyes on the one who purchased us. I think this backs similar ideas I've had shared before about how we must understand that we, we are sick and we are in need of a cure. Before you can lay eyes on Jesus, you first have to acknowledge that we have a need for Jesus. So by seeing the cost that he was willing to pay, now John can go forward and look upon the one who paid the cost. Uh, just my thoughts, but uh, that didn't occur to me last time. He saw those candlesticks first. Huh. So it makes me wonder if there's something to that. You know, the first thought came to my mind when you said that um, was uh, in the Genesis podcast, we talked about at one point the very first water that, that actually appeared came from the earth it was right. a mist that came up from the earth and we discussed if maybe that was because the water uh that gives life it's a prophetic picture of maybe he wanted it to come from mankind first rather than from the heavens and i i just wonder if the first thing he saw were the candlesticks followed by jesus i wonder if it's because i i do see it as kind of because the it says, uh, and now I'm skipping ahead. You know, the angel 
uh, is hold or, or, or Yeshua is holding the seven stars in his right hand. Right he walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, and he says, "The seven golden candlesticks are the seven Churches. assemblies, yep. church, yeah, the bodies of Christ." Uh, so he sees the churches first, and so we know they're the bodies of Christ. Christ is going to return. Is it a picture of you know first? It's their time. In a sense that, you know, I want to work through them. I want to use them. There is coming a time. It's a candlestick it's a, or, or a menorah. Whether you think of it as a wick or, or oil, it burns out. It right. has its time and then that time is gone. When the time is done, Jesus says, all right, we're done. Yep. It's over. I wonder if that means that first they're to be seen... Not not as a replacement, not that they're more important, but they have a part to play. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense, especially, um, we, we got a little ways to go, but when we get to each of the letters to the churches, uh-huh. I'm going to suggest that each of them represents different things, including uh, different church ages, but also on a personal note, different uh, things that we go through personally in our lives. So maybe what exactly you have to go through certain things in your life before uh-huh. you can lay eyes upon uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, yes. I mean, yeah. No, I just I just wanted to mention that because it, it didn't occur to me at the time, but I was just typing up my little recap here, and I was like, wait, <laughs> you know. So uh-huh. when things like that happen, I'd like to share them, even if I don't have, even if I'm completely wrong, I still want to put the idea out there because. There could be oh, something yeah. to it. So, um, now, so that was an interesting thought I had about the golden candlesticks um, since the last podcast study. But uh, I do want to move on to the next verses. So I will read them. I'm going to read uh, chapter one, thirteen through fifteen. We're only going to work on thirteen today, uh, but this is King James version. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass that is burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. I don't know about you guys, but that, just that, alone kind of gives me goosebumps the, just the, just the description now Jesus is standing mid the seven candlesticks or the menorah which we learned last time was the true and heavenly version of the menorah that was in the holy place in God's tabernacle and Solomon's temple uh, I do not want to lose the heartbeat of this chapter so let's take a moment now to consider John in the span of mere seconds he has already experienced amazing things He was in the spirit. He heard a powerful voice as of a trumpet calling from behind him, which can represent all the things God has done for us in the past. He turned and saw the brilliant golden candlesticks, which uh, suggests the buying power and cost of our salvation. And now he is laying eyes on the glorified Jesus, his friend, his savior, Now, I have nothing to back this but my own experiences with my emotions, but John is seeing the one he cares for the most for the first time in a long time. And I think there is something telling in this description of his encounter that sheds light on the fact that Jesus 
is Jesus, but different. John states, one like unto the Son of Man. This is Jesus, but different than John has seen him. The word like used here is the Greek, um, in Greek is ham oyas, and it means resembling, similar to. This means that Jesus, this means the Jesus that John is seeing resembles the Jesus he knows and is like the Jesus he knows, but there is something different enough to make a note. If there was nothing different about Jesus, then I think John would not have used the phrase like the Son of Man and would have just stated, I saw the Son of Man. Never thought about that before. Um, now, I don't want to suggest that, you know, this is not Jesus, because it's definitely Jesus. I, the word ham oios, and I apologize if my Greek is wrong. Um, as always, we do try our best with the Greek, but it's not, it's not our normal. I can't even get English right, so <laughs> I should probably apologize for that, too. But uh, ham oios also means of equal rank. So it can mean resembling, similar to, but also of equal rank. So I think it's important to note that G the Jesus that John sees here is of equal rank to the Jesus he knew well. Which, which also, to me, sheds some light on Jesus, the humble lamb who came the first time. If in his divine and powerful appearance as king and high priest that we see right now here in Revelation is equal rank to the suffering servant, the humble lamb that came before, then we see how only the lamb and the lion can be worthy because only the lion and the lamb are of equal rank. Only the high priest and king, who is also the suffering servant and humble lamb, can be worthy. Um, so I just I thought that was an interesting, that of equal rank. That was very interesting to me. Can I? Uh, of course. Jump in real quick. Of course. I, I'm thinking like like take a chess set. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you take one of the rooks and you say pick another character of equal rank, uh, you have another rook. Right. You have. You take a pawn. You say take another character of equal rank. You have other pawns. But if you say if you take the king and say. Pick another one of equal rank. You only have the king. You would just say, "It's, it's this one," you know. Right. It's take another one equal rank to the king. Well, it, it is the king. Uh, so yeah, I like it's. It's almost like you're saying, um, in a sense, it's. I guess it's, I don't want to say poetic, but it's like he's saying, you know, by by using that, he's saying there there is no other equal to him. Uh, it, it it's him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, and I just, I, I just appreciated that because I mean, Jesus is, Jesus is so many things. Um, he's so many things, and he can be so many things to different people with different needs. Uh, he can come to you in any way that you need him to, but ultimately, whether he's coming as, you know, if he's coming to claim his bride and love, or if he's coming to judge the world, yeah, he's still Jesus. <clears throat> So Jesus is our judge. Mm -hmm. Jesus is our king. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. Jesus is our friend. Jesus is our master. Jesus is all these things, but you're right. He comes to you uh, as, as a lover and a friend. Now he comes to you 
as judge and king, still equal rank. Right. Still the same Jesus. Yep. It's like, but you're right. It's like John knew him as as resting his head upon his shoulder. One, you know, on his shoulder, on his on his chest, mm-hmm. resting his head upon his chest as as a friend, as a comforter. Now it's like he's like that, but different. There's something different about him, but it's still equal rank. It's still it's still him. It's still absolutely. It, it's still the same rank. It's still the same Messiah. It's still the same God. Yeah, I, boy. The more we talk about it, the more <laughs> it's, it's exploding. But you're right. No, I, I, I and I appreciate that. You you spoke that so well. That's the that's the point I'm trying to get across. Is yeah. That no matter how he comes to you, he's still all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's coming to you in the moment as you know, a, a, a humble servant. Mm-hmm. Don't forget the fact that he is also the judge. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, um, and, and you're right. I think that's exactly what John's experiencing here. Is I know him. This is him. It's it's and and, and there's so many things that would be overwhelming. I don't know how John can even have coherent thoughts. <laughs> but I'm, but he it's him. I remember um, talking about uh, the verses that say. Uh, Go boldly. We can go boldly before the throne of grace, mm-hmm. and and uh, we're just talking with some friends about that and and how it means, basically, anyone who wants to get in my way, get out. You know, I'm gonna knock you down. You can't stop me. I am going boldly before the throne of grace. Boldly means there's got to be some courage. You know, uh, people are trying to stop me. People are trying to hinder me. People are saying I'm not worthy. It, whatever. It's like, no, get out of my face. I'm going to talk to the king himself. But that doesn't change the fact that when I go before the king, I kneel. <laughs> right. And I bow. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I, I go boldly before his throne of grace. Get out of my way. I have a right to be here. You trying to stop me. Get lost. You have no right. Out of my way. And then we come before God and it's like, my Lord, my King, uh, what would you do of me? You know, I mean, I'm imagining like a, a Knights of Camelot, whatever. Yeah, you go before but... the King and then you bow. What well, you know, it, it's go boldly before. No one has a right to stop me. But when I'm facing my King, you respect your. King. I respect the King. Yeah. No, I, you know? I like that. Yeah. And that's what it makes me think of is that, whether, like you said, whether he comes as a servant, whether he comes as judge, whatever, his rank is the same. And and you gotta you gotta remember that. Right. He's still the highest piece on the board. And what a shock for some people who've never seen him in this this state quite yet. Yeah. You know, John John knows him intimately, and of course Jesus knows him intimately. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he knows him intimately, and this is still a version that he's not quite seen before. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I I just this whole oh okay let's let's move on because. I do have a few points I want to get through before we're done. and um, But, okay, so we're caught up kind of to where uh, to where we should be here. Um, I started, uh, I, I really started this study with uh, by looking into the word son and man, uh, son of man. And son is, in the Greek, a Strong's Concordance 5207, and it's hoios. And it means a son or a descendant. Um, some of the word study helpers here, you have properly a son, 
by birth or adoption. And then figuratively, anyone sharing the same nature as their father. So for the believer, becoming a son of God begins with being reborn, adopted, by the Heavenly Father through Christ. Uh, and then it equally, but and just, it, it points out, even though this word is son, it actually refers to uh, male or female believers. So this is anybody that, anybody that becomes a child. So you could almost say more of a, a child, any, anybody that becomes a child of God whether you're male or female. Um, it also suggests that it emphasizes the likeness of the believer to the Heavenly Father, resembling his character more and more by living in faith. Um, it highlights the legal right to the Father's inheritance. The believer lives in conformity with the Father's nature or his purpose. So I have just a couple points on that. Uh, the first is that I... Once again, I love that there's no distinction between being a son by birth or by adoption. Uh, we talked about this recently in a previous podcast briefly about how I felt like at first when I was born again that I was still just the adopted kid that just made it in. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in here, uh, but the father, he's going to be more concerned about, you know, other people. And, and I'm, I'm still here, but... Uh, you know, he's got more important kids to, to worry about. Uh, same thing, um, you know, when it talks about being an offspring of Abraham. You know, I feel like, yes, I am an offspring of Abraham by adoption, but still I feel like I just barely got into the family. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a cousin, you know, twice removed or whatever. Um, but the truth is that once you are adopted in, you are grafted in. You become part of the vine. It matters uh, little if you are adopted in because once you become born again, you are now a child by birth. There's no distinction between adoption and being a child by birth of the Father. So when you become an offspring of Yahweh, there is no difference if you are adopted or if you're Jesus. He sees us through the filter that is Jesus, so we are the same. When you are grafted in, you become a part of the vine and are one. Uh, we talked about that during the candlesticks, about how it's all one beaten piece of gold, yeah. but it's still one piece. Even though they diverge and they're separate, it's still one beaten piece. We're all in this together. Um, so I think that word study there uh, kind of helps us see this truth. For the believer, becoming a son of God begins with being reborn, adopted by the Heavenly Father through Christ, and even though the, the word we are looking at is son, it does note that the word in Greek equally refers to female believers as well. So this word could also just mean offspring or descendants. Also, we see here that the son, either born or adopted, makes no distinction, has legal right to the father's inheritance. As the believer lives in conformity with the father's nature or purpose. So when you are a child of God, your character resembles your father more and more because you're living in faith and you have a and and because of that you have a right to his inheritance. Now I want to think about that for a moment. Think about the some of the things that we might inherit from our father. And when I started thinking about that 
for whatever reason, there was one verse that popped into my head. I don't know if this is a good connection or not, but I'm going to share it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It's a popular verse, uh, and I do think it relates, but I, I want everyone's opinion. Um, this is the King James Version. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. A lot of people might have heard it more like this. And now belief, expectation, and love remain. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So using this verse as a guide of some of the things that we might inherit, we will have faith or belief, hope or expectation, charity or love. We will inherit faith that our Father can handle any struggle or problem and a belief that that is true. We will inherit hope in the promises our Father has given us and the expectation that all those promises are going to happen. To me, though, the best thing we will inherit as children of God is his love and his charity or his blessings. God is love. That is his nature. So if we're taking on the nature of our Father, imagine what it'll be like to only have a nature of love. Um, so, yeah, like I said, those, you know, that is what pops in my head for whatever reason. That verse popped into my head when I was at this point in my study, so I threw it in there. But that's just one aspect of it. God's kingdom that we will inherit is, <laughs> is beyond what we can even understand right now. Um, it's, it's impossible for us to comprehend right now. Uh, the Bible makes it pretty clear that you, you, it's good and it's worth it, but you got, you kind of have to experience to fully understand it. So, uh, you know, something to, to look forward to the expectation of our hope being fulfilled. Um, next I wanted to investigate the word for man. Uh, this is the, this is the Greek word for man. Um, Scott has done a lot of digging into the Hebrew words for man in his Genesis study, so I recommend checking out his studies if you have not, but uh, let's see if we can gleam any wisdom from the Greek here. This is Strong's Concordance 444, and it's anthropos, and the definition means a man, human, mankind, Usage is a man, one of the human race. Now, this word here, um, they are trying to suggest that this one here means mankind uh, in, in the sense of all of us, the whole human race. This is not trying to individualize any one man. So this word here, uh, there's another Greek word that individ individualizes just one man. So it's really trying to give you the idea that this is mankind more than just a single person. Now, that thought right there makes it, you know, one of the first things I thought of was, of course, Jesus is not just for any one person or any even just one group of men. Uh, he is for everyone. The word used here specifically is referring to mankind or human race. So he is the son of mankind. He is the son of human race. Uh, there, like I said, there are two words used for man in Greek, uh, and the word here does not refer to that individual. That would be the Greek word um, anor. So I find it interesting when you put the meaning behind the two words 
of Son of Man, you get a picture of Jesus being birthed or adopted of mankind. Uh, we understand that Jesus came as a baby born of Mary, but in a spiritual way, he was also God born of mankind. God who created mankind also was birthed from mankind. There was something terribly wrong with us. God knew that. And he knew that he could fix it. In fact, he was the only one that could fix it. So God sent himself in the form of his son, and that problem with us, so that problem with us might be corrected. When he did that, he truly became one of us. Now, the only way we can be saved from the judgment of a just and divine God is to be seen through the filter of his Son. We need to be seen through the filter that is Jesus. When God the Father looks upon us, he does not see the terrible wrong that we were when it was just us, mankind. He now sees mankind that, was birthed, uh, that he was birthed into, and when that happened, the terrible wrong was corrected. Now, I wrote a note here uh, as I was typing these thoughts. It's one of those hard times for me because I know what I'm trying to suggest with this, but I'm also wrestling with the thoughts that I'm having. I know these things to be true, but I've never really given them much consideration. And so I'm also remembering the Genesis studies I have been a part of with Scott and what it really meant when Jesus left his father to come and save us. He had to love us so much so much more than we can even comprehend, to be willing to lower himself to our level. The sacrifice he made, I wish I could explain this better, but hopefully the conviction of my emotions and, and what I'm trying to suggest will help you paint the picture that my words cannot. Um, but the takeaway is just simply, we, can't, we could never have fixed ourselves. We needed God to come in the form that he did in the way that he did. And now because of that, we are saved because when God looks at us, he looks at us no different than he looks at his son, whom he is well pleased and loves. Hope I <laughs> yeah. explained that well. I was having a real hard time trying to figure out how to type those thoughts. So next up, I... Uh, investigated the words, uh, I investigated the phrase clothed with a garment. Now the Greek, Greek word for clothe used here is Strong's Concordance 1746. And uh, this one is um, en duo. The definition is to clothe or be clothed with. And the sense of sinking into the garment. I thought that was interesting. Huh. In the sense of sinking into the garment. <clears throat> Brings up a weird picture. <laughs> well, I hope I, I hope my thoughts here will make it make sense, or at least it made sense to me. Interesting to me uh, was that garment was that garment was not in strongest concordance, and the idea behind clothed is the sense of sinking into a garment. Since neither of these word studies were helpful to me in finding a deeper meaning, I decided to contemplate the idea of clothed in a garment for myself. So these are just my thoughts, but first, uh, my Institute for Scripture Research translation states, dressed in a robe instead of clothed in a garment. So here I'm envisioning a robe, but 
I really do like that meaning of sinking into the robe. I investigated this, the, this idea of being dressed in a robe and sinking into it, and I found the verse Isaiah 6, uh, 61, 10. Uh, this is Institute for Scripture Research translation, and it says, I greatly rejoice in Yahweh. My being exalts in my Elohim, for he has put garments of deliverance on me. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So now I like this idea of being clothed with a robe of righteousness and sinking into that garment, sinking into righteousness. Also in that verse, we see a physical example of the bride and bridegroom making themselves ready. So as always, we need to be ready to place our robes of righteousness on so we can sink into them and be ready for the wedding feast. In uh, verse 13 of Revelation, Jesus is already clothed in his robe, and he is, and of course he's sinking into righteousness. The Greek word for clothed, endoos, in, oh, sorry, enduo, also can refer, reference clothing another person. So just my thoughts, but I know for sure we cannot force anyone into righteousness. We cannot force anyone to love God. But if we get to a point in our relationship with someone, or if we set an example to someone that they would want to follow, and if we get to a point that they would allow us to clothe them in righteousness, to help them put on their robe, well, to me, that seems like a really cool thing. And kind of like my thoughts last podcast about the potential acquisitions that are still available for purchase, we can present that information, but they still must make the decision to be purchased or not. It always comes down to Jesus or not. But anyone who makes the choice to stand with Jesus, then what a great way to celebrate by helping them put on the robes of righteousness. Now, uh, anybody coming to Jesus is, is, is something to celebrate, and I don't think we do that enough as Christians, but I know that heaven, for a fact, celebrates every time someone comes to Jesus. So at least there is a celebration beyond what we could do. It's one of those times where Strong's Concordance is a great tool, but it, sometimes it doesn't always have like sometimes you just feel like there's still something there that it doesn't quite have yeah um so you know there's other resources that you can look into that one was just me praying just is there something here god is there something and then um you know verses come into my head or um the, a thought comes into my head to look for something and and i appreciate when that happens because i'm hoping that that means it really is not me then you know i i, I hope it was really the spirit saying i'll help you out Uh, the next part of this verse explains that the robe is down to his feet. Uh, Strong's concordance for this phrase, it, and it's, it's for the whole phrase, is 4158, and it is pod eres. And it just, the definition is reaching to the feet, uh, reaching to the feet of a garment. So this just means the robe is long and reaches to his feet. Simple enough. 
but I ponder why it might be important for the feet to be seen. And I kept pondering that, and I kept coming up with stuff, and, and my mind went to, well, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, and all this kind of stuff, but everything, so this is kind of an opposite of what I just talked about. Everything that I was having, every thought that was coming in my head felt forced, like I was trying to just find something to put here, so I stopped. I don't know. I don't know why the feet should be seen. I do know that coming up, uh, we get a description of his feet, so it could be simply that we just need to know what his feet look like. Um, yeah. But it also kind of feels like there could be something more to that. But I'll leave that there. You feel free. If you have any thoughts or ideas, please share them with me because nothing came to me there, but I still threw it in there just because, hmm, interesting. Why would we need to see his feet? Why did it need to... Why did the garment need to stop at his feet? Well, I think you hit upon something right there. Just the fact that um, he does describe the feet in vivid detail, which means Jesus wanted us to know that piece. Now, if the robe was covering his feet, we wouldn't know that. Right. Uh, there, there's just there's something to that right there. What I'm thinking more of uh, is... Not so much why were his feet exposed, but why wasn't anything else? Why didn't the garment, why wasn't it like a shirt? Uh, why wasn't it like a robe that covered just, just below his waist? Why didn't it go to his knees? Why all the way to his feet? What is, I, I kind of picture that as more as because the righteousness is completely covering him. Right. Uh, it's not like righteousness is only partial. Right. Uh, that, that was kind of my first thought. Yeah. But, um... But I never thought about it that way. Why are his feet exposed? I thought of it the opposite way. Why is it covering what it does? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And all of those could be the, all those could be true. Uh -huh. um, and so much more could be true about it. That could be one of those funny things when we're in heaven, God goes, Brad, they were uncovered because, and I just go, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, something that I just couldn't see. But... Uh, this verse continues, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, I investigated the Greek word for girt, and I am glad I did, because I found something I thought was interesting here. Uh, this, is, uh, this word is Strong's Concordance 4024. Okay, uh, it is per id zonomi. Per id zonomi. And it means to gird. Um, I gird around. I gird myself. And then generally for active work or travel. I gird myself myself generally for active work or travel. And I and I that struck out to me. I like the action behind this idea. I gird myself for active work or travel. Also, other translations say dressed in readiness this is yeah. this is a prepared jesus mm -hmm. he's ready for some work he's ready to travel now i like the vision of jesus being ready to get to business uh the most powerful man ever getting ready to get his bride this image to me is really cool and I had a similar feeling recently when listening to that newer song from Toby Mac, Help is on the Way, Maybe Midnight. There's, a, there's some lyrics here that every time I get them, I picture Jesus 
Uh, let me let me say the lyrics real quick. <clears throat> well, I've seen my share of trouble, and I'm not going to sing because I'm sorry. I, you know, <laughs> I don't want to lose viewers. I'm trying to get more viewers. I don't want to lose you. So, <clears throat> well, I've seen my share of troubles, but the Lord ain't failed me yet. So I'm holding on to the promise, you all, that He's rolling up His sleeves again. This idea of Jesus coming in power and authority to save us. This image, there's just this thought of this very human action of just rolling up your sleeves, getting ready to get your hands dirty. Um, you know, it just, oh, it just gives me goosebumps, just the thought of it. Uh, it's probably because I'm a human and I understand the, the visual clue that that provides. Um, but rolling up his sleeves, dressed and ready for travel, ready for action. Just an awesome picture I had in my head of Christ. But the best part is the reason he's doing it is he's coming to save us. He's going to work to save us. Yeah. You know, just, oh, that image gives me goosebumps still. Now, uh, the term about the paps uh, means the golden girdle is around his chest. The Greek word for about uh, about the paps, the Greek word for about, just means to suggest a direction. So towards and paps means breast or chest. So around his chest. And I originally pictured this like a sash. Like it went over his shoulder and went down past his hip and, you know, kind of like a, a Boy Scout uh, bandolier or, you know, one of those kind of things. But nothing here suggests that. It only suggests around the chest. Um, so, um, I found this picture online. Oh, she didn't make the video, did she? She might have. That was Clippy. Just barely. You, uh, Clippy's been the cat here today. I'm not sure where Stabler is. He is the normal one you've probably been seeing on here. Um, but Clippy, finally, she's getting some screen time. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was very important. I had to show. <laughs> um, but, uh, nothing suggests here that... Uh, that this is a sash, it just suggests it's around his chest. And I found some pictures online. Um, one of them I was real impressed with. Uh, I think it gave a very accurate description based upon what I was reading here too. And it was interesting to me when I saw it because my mind immediately went to this abstract picture that I had last time. And I wish... I wish I hadn't uh, had seen this picture then because it might have made this made more sense in my head. I was kind of seeing this, but this picture made it happen. In the picture, I, I kind of want to use it as the picture to this podcast, but it's part of another gentleman's study, and so I'm not going to touch anything just in case it's copyright or anything like that. But in in this uh, in this picture, it's wrapped around his chest. His arms are down, his right hand is out, the seven stars, he's amongst the menorah, and then uh, the, the golden sash kind of, or uh, yeah, the golden girdle kind of stops here. And I was looking at it, and I was looking at the candlesticks. And of course, uh, as we'll learn later, his face is, uh, his hair is white, his eyes are like a flame, and it's doing what I tried to suggest last time. It's that candle. The, 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 the golden uh, girdle stops, and it looks like the top of the candlestick. 
Oh. And then his face is the the outer of the flame, and his eyes are the center of the flame. And so uh-huh. what it does, it looks like that picture I was trying to show last time. Um, and so, you know, it's just it's right. just here, and, and his arms are down to his sides. The right hand is up. It's very accurate. It's got the seven stars, but it makes him look kind of thin and narrow like a candlestick. This looks like the top, the ornamentation of the top of the candlestick, and his face looks like the flame. And so I just thought that was really cool. Um, if anyone's interested, I found that picture just by, what did I Google? Um, yes, uh, I just Googled images of Jesus and Revelation. Um, and, and not just under the normal search, under actual, the image tab. And it was one of the first couple that popped up. And then there was another one that I also, I loved it too. It was a similar idea. Uh, it showed the, go- the golden girdle around the chest up here. Um, that one um, did not show it as a menorah. So not a huge thing, but to me, after what I learned last time, I'm pretty confident, and I could be wrong, I never want to claim that we have any sort of truth, or all truth, or anything, but to me, I do believe it was a menorah, because I do think it was a shadow picture of uh, what was going on in the temple, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Solomon's temple, and the tabernacle, But, uh, but still, just a really cool image, and and I just want to say I appreciate both of them for trying really hard to be accurate and true in their in their description of, of Jesus in, in Revelation. Because there's there's thousands, and they're beautiful too. There are so many beautiful images of uh, Jesus in Revelation and what's going on here. Not a lot of them are accurate to what, what Scripture says, though. So um, beautiful, and I appreciate them, but I especially appreciate... Uh, these few people who are going the extra mile trying to be even more accurate and true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just Google images of Jesus and Revelation. It pops up. I don't want to risk any sort of copyright or anything like that. So um, I will try to find something similar. Or well, let's maybe... get another copyright block. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not in such a short period of time. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but I will do my best, and maybe uh, I'm not much of an artist, but maybe I can figure out how to do something myself too. But I'll, I'll try to put something as the picture for this podcast study that kind of shows that. Um, okay, let's see here. Okay, so the Greek word for golden used here for the golden girdle is the same as we talked about uh, for the golden candlesticks. It's Strong's Concordance 5552, Karushios. Um, I talked about that a, a lot last podcast, so I'm not going to talk much here. But I just do want you to remember. Uh, uh, I want you to remember that when I investigated the root of that word, I discovered that it means gold, used also as a symbol of profound purchasing power for potential acquisitions. Hmm. So to me, this shows a couple of things. One, the golden menorah represented the high price that was paid for our salvation. Second, it represented the purchasing power that Jesus has to purchase all of us, including future potential acquisitions that we should be spreading the gospel message to. It also, of course, is uh, representative of the seven assemblies, um, seven churches, as King James Version. Uh, we'll get to that at some point. Why I, I think I've mentioned it already, but I yeah. prefer the word assembly over church anyway. But... Um, Um, So the golden menorah and now this golden girdle 
show off the splendor and the grandeur of this heavenly realm, but also there could be deeper meaning in just the fact that they are golden. Um, so I don't want to just suggest that that I have, have figured it all out. Um, I would suggest that people just look further into that and see, um, y yes, Jesus himself said those are, represent the churches. So that is the most important fact about the, about the menorah here. But there's also so much more that you can figure out just by reading uh, word studies about these words. So I would highly recommend that, uh, that you also look into that and see if there's any more that we can glean from that. Um, but I investigated Strong's Concordance for the word girdle, and I'm wondering if they maybe didn't get this quite right. It's Strong's Concordance 2223, and this one is Dezone. And the definition is a belt. I'm not upset about that, but they do say it's a belt, specifically one that goes around the waistband, because uh, it could be a money belt, uh, because it was usually hollow and you could put your coins in it. Now, the previous verse very clearly to me said it's up here. It's not down here. So I think they've got it half right. I think this is a belt, but a belt could also just be, I mean, what can we use as a belt? We could use ribbon. We could use, we could use many different things yeah. as a belt. But uh, it, they're suggesting it means uh, a money belt around the waist because it was hollow, could be used as a purse. I think it could also be this in a way. Um, so you have the golden candlesticks that show, uh, you know, that the, this great wealth and the ability that he has to pay for uh, the pay the high cost of our salvation. There's still plenty there that he can pay for other people. Well, That's the immediate connection that I made with that. Right. So here, this is also suggesting, remember, a little bit ago, said, ready to travel, mm -hmm. girded around uh, the chest in a way that suggests get to work, ready to travel. Well, he's taking, he's taking the cost with him. He, ha he has the ability, I'm sorry, he's, he's taking the ability to pay for the cost with him in like a coin purse um, in, a, in a physical way uh, or in a, in a physical image that we can see. So, right. so, yeah, there is some truth there. I still think it's up here, <laughs> um, judging by the previous uh, verse. But once again, I could be wrong. That's what's fun about this. It's, it, it's something that we can discuss and we can figure out, and, and, uh, and we could do that for the rest of our lives and still not even get that far into it. Uh -huh. um, but uh, it could just be something as simple as my ISR, uh, I'm sorry, I, yeah, ISR translation states that it's just a golden band, too. So it could be one of these. It could be both of these. It could be so much more than what I can find. Um, and we also have to remember in some of these cases, you know, belt is an English word. Maybe the translators came as close to this concept as they could. Uh, but maybe to them, mm -hmm. I mean, the original, you know, what John would have been writing was, you know, would have been more like a band mm -hmm. or, or just a rap. Yeah. Of some sort, uh, uh, and you know the the interpreter, the Greek, the English, went. That's a belt. Belt it is <laughs> right. I mean, it's going. It's it's wrapping around. Doesn't isn't that you know? I imagine the interpreter's going. Doesn't it belt right? Are we in agreement? Belt does make sense. I mean, 
And it could be. Uh, we just have to remember sometimes there's not a one-to-one translation. There's We're getting as close as we can to what they intended with the concepts that we understand in our language. Right, absolutely. And even, and I still think they have it, I think they have the idea of it right. Right. Based upon uh, just my investigation of the whole concept of the gold. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I still think they've got mostly right. But I, I just wanted to point out that I do still think, judging by what I just figured out previously, that it's it's actually higher up here. And it's not, and that was that was that was a big thing for me too, because I always pictured it as a sash. I don't know why. I don't know if that's just the popular images that have been put out there, and then my mind just went with it. I think it's because when you think of the classical pictures of Jesus, like walking on the earth, he's got the white robe mm-hmm. and then like the red sash, mm-hmm. or, you know. The and and so we figure. I think people just tend to move that to this picture, and and sort of give it the same image but like glowing and on fire and and majesty and glory but it's it's essentially the same image just kind of moved right. over yeah, a lot of those images i found they, they try to make it even you know they do they try to show power and all yeah. this kind of stuff it's not necessarily what we're seeing here jesus is yes he is glorified and amazing but they like try to interpret all this other stuff going on too that's not necessarily there i have no problem with that i like using my imagination but Ultimately, we still have to look, well, what's actually in Scripture, though? Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I just wanted to spotlight those uh, people who went just a little bit further and in their interpretation of what's going on here. They really looked into uh, Scripture. Um, but anyway, anyway, it, whether it's up here, whether it's down there, whether it's a sash, whether any of this stuff, it's not as important as what we're actually talking about here, which is this this image of our mighty Savior and He's ready for action. He's dressed in his robes of righteousness. He's, he's got a gold band around him, uh, possibly to represent the fact that wherever he goes, he can pay the cost. Um, one thing of note, though, I investigated the origin of the word used for girdle here, and I found something familiar. It's Strong's Concordance 2224, and this is Dezonumi. And the definition is to gird. So we're back to uh, the girding that we talked about here a little bit ago. Both of them turn out have this as their root word. But this time it says, I gird, I put on the girdle, especially as preparing to active work. So the idea is to pull the belt to remove slack so that a person can move quickly. It shares that root Greek word with uh, per izon, uh, sorry, per izonomi, which was the word for girt. We saw it earlier in this study. It's interesting that this also indicates action. So a person can move quickly and be prepared for active work. This really cements this idea in my head that Jesus is ready to get to work once again. He's rolling up those sleeves, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. An hour. Yep. I'm glad I decided to break these up. <laughs> um, so I just want to take a moment and I want to I try to make sure that I'm getting my understanding of what John is seeing here correct. Um, obviously, I'm recording this. You can't help me if I'm wrong. But um, I just, I'm trying to also just get my 
thoughts together because uh, I, I get very easily overwhelmed with all of this. This is exciting to me. Um, I, I, some people in my life recently have, um, have kind of reminded me that it's not exciting to them. And that's fine. That, I, I don't want to put anybody down or anything like that. But I forget that sometimes. That to, not to everybody in the world, this is the most exciting thing. Yeah. And so I, I do want to take the time. If you're watching this, I'm going to make the assumption that it must be exciting to you, at least on some level, or at least interesting or anything like that. So we're going to take a moment, and I'm going to share with you. And I want to, make, I want to try my hardest not to get this wrong. But I'm running with this idea. It makes sense to me. And even if I don't have it totally correct, I do feel that the order of what is being presented to us here by John is important. The first item that John saw was the golden menorah, which I determined represented the cost of our salvation and the potential buying power for future acquisitions. Then John sees Jesus standing amidst the golden menorah, uh, the one who paid the price for our salvation and the potential buyer for future acquisitions. Next, John sees the robe of righteousness going down to his feet, signifying that Jesus is sinking in to righteousness. And that's something that we should strive for too. And then girded around his chest, suggesting that Jesus is ready for work and ready to travel. He's ready to come for us. And then finally, John lays eyes on the golden girdle the band around his chest that shows that wherever he goes, he still has the means and the funds to pay for our salvation. All of that, and we have not even touched base, base on what his head, hair, eyes, feet, and voice look like. I love how John has presented this to us. On a personal note, I love how John has presented this to me. As I've been going through this study and really diving in, we're getting one small piece, one at a time. And eventually we're going to be able to stand back and we're going to see the mosaic in its full picture and it's going to be a full picture of Jesus. Now to me, this is overwhelming, it's amazing, it's powerful, and I really do hope that not for me, for, for, for those that God is bringing to these podcasts, I really do hope that others are feeling the same way. And, and I guess that's it. I, that's my hope and my prayer. I want this to be a blessing because I want people in that relationship. I, cause I just, I know wholeheartedly what it's done for me. And I want that for others as well. I know what you mean, though. I don't know how many times I've read something or seen something or whatever and just been like, oh my goodness, this is mind-blowing. It opens up Jesus to me. This is amazing. I want to share it with you. And they look at the same thing and go, yeah, and? You know, I, I get it. We're all in a different place. But, but like Brad said, if you're here watching regularly, we have to assume you're in a similar place at least. So um, if you're here watching for the first time and you're going, yeah, I'm not coming back, we get it. That's yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everyone's different and, and totally cool with that. We're here for, for the people that God wants us to reach. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, and we know that's not everyone. We're all different members of the body. Uh, but yeah, no, I totally agree. Don't let that dissuade you. Oh, absolutely yeah, not. No, no. <laughs> absolutely not. Because because I, I am such I, I am so in love with my God that mm -hmm. at this point it's almost nothing else really matters to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, things matter. I, I you know, I love my family. Yeah. I love I love you. I love I love our listeners. I don't even know you. I love people. I've been just trying to find people to pray for. That's just been a goal of mine as of late. And I've been just reading comments. I don't know this person. I don't even know their real name half the time because they use, uh, you know, we all use usernames and, and things like that. And it's just like, but I, I, I love you. I understand uh, from your comment. I just, I'm an emotional creature too. I can understand. I'm a human just like you. When you type, this is what's going on in my life and it's a struggle, I can understand that. I may not understand the exact struggle you're going through, but we've all had them. Yeah, and so I can say, I will pray for you and I love you, even though I don't even know you. But that—that's uh, so. I mean, yes, other things are important, but the most important thing in my life, the thing that I just don't think could ever be taken away from me now. There's just no way. I'm so caught up in this, is that love I have for God, and I know that He loves me, and you know that's it. It is a little heartbreaking sometimes when I go to share that with somebody and like, oh my, you won't believe what he did for me. And uh -huh. then, oh yeah, you're, you're, you're not there. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I hope people, I hope all people, um, experience that. I really do. But if you're not there, it's fine. But at the same time, there's also a part of me that goes, oh yeah. And it does, it does hurt because I do uh -huh. want everyone there, but each in his Imagine own time. Imagine how much it hurts him. Yeah. Uh, yep. Each in their own time. But uh, that's that's basically what I got for this one. This is kind of a part one of three, because we still, like I said, we still got the head, the hair, <laughs> the feet, the voice, um, all of that stuff coming up, and I'm looking forward to what am I going to see in that. My mind is already over, you know, just. Um, I sometimes have to take just a little bit of a break after, uh, sometimes during the study, because it's like. Hey. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> wow, that's a lot to process. And sometimes I don't want to move on. Sometimes I want to think about what I just uncovered. So um, so hopefully um, when we come back in two weeks to do our next uh, recording of Bible studies here, I'll have my next one ready. But uh, I'm also never going to rush them if, 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 I, if I don't feel like, they're, like there's still more. Um, so I apologize. I know uh, I think it's 13 total because my part 8 was 2, but... I've only got 13 revelation studies, um, you know, at this, and we've been doing this for a year now. Yeah, but again, but, you're the one that's been editing, doing the website and all of that too. There's, you know, we've mentioned this before. You There's there's a lot of that. Yeah. But there is part of me that there to me there's also this kind of this sense of urgency because I mean, yeah. you can look around the world and you can see and I don't know if my studies will help a single person, but if there's even a chance I want to make sure that I'm getting them out there. And I do want to make sure I'm doing them fairly uh, quick because, you know, it could be it could be tomorrow and there could have been that one more person, uh -huh. you know. So, but anyway, we could talk about all that in the conversation. Um, I think that's about it that I have for Revelation. Uh, any last comments, concerns? <laughs> no, just it's a good, like you said, uh, it's a good start to the, uh, to the image, the... 
that already the the power the glory and we were, were only about a third in and we've got so much more to come yep and i feel like we could stop here and just go whoa uh but yeah it no i can't wait to hear the rest of it awesome well on that note uh not about us listeners thank you once again for for coming and listening to us and our thoughts and opinions and and like as always i'm hoping that there was more spirit and less brad than this one um but uh thank you i i, I do i really do appreciate now that we're on facebook i'm not going to be ashamed or facebook now that well we are on facebook but now that we're on youtube uh as well as some other sites i'm not going to be ashamed to say if you like this you can go ahead and hit the like button um and also uh if you want to uh you know if you want to see future stuff feel free to subscribe um but if scott said if you came and you're like nope moving on that's okay too uh we still appreciate you uh, but as always this is brad and this has been scott and this has been not about us <laughs>